Welcome to this verse-by-verse Bible teaching from Calvary Queen Creek in Arizona with Pastor Jim Remington. We hope you're blessed by listening. Romans 10.17 says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. For more information, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org. All right, we're in Revelation chapter 6 this morning. Revelation chapter 6. We are living in such crazy days, but it's biblical days. It's biblical days, guys. This just isn't another 70s movement. These are biblical days. All the chess pieces are in place. It's not just a matter of saber rattling. They're making obvious threats of annihilation. If you don't know it, Israel is the little Satan. America is the big Satan, according to Islam. And not just radicals, but according to Islam. According to Islamic eschatology, which means the study of last days for their Messiah to come back. According to Islam, for their Messiah to come back. We have eschatology as well. Jesus said it will be as it was in the days of Lot and Noah. And as Christians, we're not out called to go out and kill people and cause chaos. But in Islam, that's part of their last day's eschatology. And again, this isn't to bash religions. This is to be aware to, uh, and verify me. if you Please fact check me. Correct me. But their last day's eschatology is there has to be, there has to be chaos upon the whole world in order for their Messiah to come back and deliver humanity from the chaos. So when you think of a peace treaty, it's not going to happen. Satan is not going to allow it to happen because Satan's desire is to destroy Israel and destroy the promises of God. It's spiritual, way more spiritual than most people even realize. And so you want to be in your word because as we get into these next chapters, Israel's going to be here. Israel is going to be in the tribulation. America? We have no idea. Our name is not mentioned. We have no idea. So don't take it for granted. Hey, we're some big, great country. Look what happened on 9-11. It brought it to, a, to our knees with box cutters. Don't think so highly of America. God raises up and God brings down. Be in your Bible and be aware of what's taking place. So Revelation chapter 6, if you're new or visiting, we're working our way through Revelation. And we find ourselves in Revelation chapter 6. Now I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals. Now the eye here is John, if you're new. This is John, the apostle. Still alive. He's most likely in his late 80s, early 90s. This is written roughly in the mid-90s, early to mid-90s, A.D., the original 90s. Now when I saw the Lamb, and we know the Lamb is Jesus from our previous studies... Open one of the seals, and I heard one of the four living creatures saying with a voice like thunder, Come and see. And we looked at those four living creatures. So if you want to catch up, the CDs are available. And I looked, and behold, a white horse. He who sat on it had a bow, and a crown was given to him, and he went out conquering and to conquer. When he opened the second seal, I heard the second living creature saying, saying to John again, come and see. And what did John see? Another horse, fiery red, went out. And it was granted to the one who sat on it to take peace from the earth. 
and that people should kill one another. And there was given to him a great sword. When he, Jesus, opened the third seal, I heard the third living creature say, come and see. So I looked and behold, a black horse and he who sat on it had a pair of scales in his hand. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four living creatures saying, a quart of wheat for a denarius and three quarts of barley for a denarius and do not harm the oil and the wine. When he opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth living creature saying, come and see. So I looked and behold, a pale horse and the name of him who sat on it was death and Hades followed him. And power was given to them, notice them, over a fourth of the earth to kill with sword, with hunger, with death, and by the beast of the earth. Father, we thank you for your word, and we're going to continue our worship of you by being in your word. It's been proven right over and over again, and it's going to continue to be proven right. These things are going to happen. So, Father, we thank you that we have the details beforehand. We do not have to live in fear. We do not have to be anxious. We do not have to be worried. You have a plan and you have a purpose, and it is going to be fulfilled. So, Father, rather help us to have peace that we might impact those people around us, our sphere of influence, those four, six, eight, ten, twelve people around us that cross our paths on a regular basis. Help us to be ambassadors for Christ. For no political party is going to stop this from happening. No agenda, earthly agenda, is going to stop this from happening. It is going to happen. So, Father, help us to stay focused on your love, your grace, your mercy, and your justice. And to plant, water, and fertilize so that people might come to know Christ before we leave this earth. I pray for the gift of teaching. In Jesus' name, amen. Judgment. You see, societies are built upon and expect proper judgment. And if there is a consequence, then the people expect to have a fair consequence. I would have to believe that every society throughout history has set up some type of system for what they deem as proper judgment and consequences. Whether the whole of that society believes it to be fair or not is irrelevant. The whole learns to submit to that system. So judgment is not a foreign concept to any of us. It's just a concept that the guilty person wants no part of. Matter of fact, the prisons are full of people who in their own minds will say, you know what, I'm not guilty. I was framed, I was this, I was that. Why do I bring this up? Because for the next few months... We're going to be studying about the Lord's righteous judgments, his righteous judgments. You see, God is loving, loving, long-suffering, very patient, gracious, and merciful. 
But now, as we start getting into Revelation chapter 6, Jesus is going to execute his righteous judgments. Remember what Jesus said, and we studied, I think, a week or two ago, that Jesus said, the Father has given all judgment to me. All judgment. So Jesus is going to execute his righteous judgment upon a Christ, and Christ means the anointed one. That's not Jesus' last name. It's just Greek for the anointed one, New Testament, Old Testament, Hebrew, Messiah, the anointed one, upon the Christ-rejecting world. Remember, as we studied, who was worthy to open the scroll and to break the seals thereof? Only Jesus. Only Jesus. But even in his righteous judgments, we will still see his attempt to extend salvation to this Christ-rejecting world. And this is what we want to make stick in our minds. The Holy Spirit will still be drawing the world to the cross. Well, I thought the Holy Spirit was going to be taking off the earth. No, the church. We'll get to it. The church is going to be removed off the earth. But the Holy Spirit is still going to be doing what? Jesus said, I'm going to, I'm going to go to the cross that I might lift all of mankind. All of mankind. Oh, that stops after the rapture? No. No. People are still created in the image of God. So all of mankind. Those raised in Christian homes or who knew, the, or who knew Bible-believing Christians, I believe that many are going to come to Christ after the rapture. Then we have the 144,000 Jewish witnesses, which appear between the sixth and seventh seal. Now here at Calvary, we believe in a little seven year of great tribulation, not just the second half. Some people believe that the first half is peace throughout the whole world and that the great tribulation starts the second half of the seven years. We, we, I don't see it that way. Calvary does not see it that way. It starts with the very first seal, as we've already read. Seven years of the great tribulation. They're going throughout the world pointing people to Jesus. Why am I stressing this? Because most of the time when people think of Revelation, they think, oh, good, death, destruction, God's going to get them. No, no, that, that, shouldn't, that should not be in our hearts. The Bible says that God takes no delight in the destruction of the wicked. No delight, ever. He lives in eternity. He doesn't want anyone to go to hell. And so there are going to be people that are going to get saved after the mat- immediately. Think of your children or grandchildren or people that you've talked to and ministered to. Maybe they came to church with you and, and they have neglected or walked away, so to speak, the faith. And, and maybe they never received Christ as their Savior. When the rapture happens, they're not going to be mocking you anymore because you're not going to be here. You're going to be in heaven. 186,000 miles per second. And they're going to be going, they were right. Where is the Bible? I need Jesus. God, I repent right now. There's going to be a major, major revival. Then there's the two witnesses, which we're not exactly sure when they appear. There's nothing in the Bible that tells us exactly when they appear. Most assume the second half. But they will be pointing people to who? To Jesus. Yes, they're going to be proclaiming judgments as well, but they're proclaiming Jesus, 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 Jesus. Repent, repent, repent. Then the flying angel. If you're an unbeliever right now and you want to go through the tribulation and you make it, 
Did you by chance make it to the second half of the tribulation? We know that the angel, the flying angel who proclaims the gospel is in the second half of the great tribulation. Uh, it's not going to be good. But Revelation 14, 6 and 7 says, Then I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel. This is not Christian fiction satellites. TBN, the angels are not satellites. This is literally, the second half of the tribulation, literally an angel flying through the midst of heaven, broadcasting around the whole earth, not electronically, with his voice. And what is the everlasting gospel? Jesus died for you. Jesus was buried. Jesus rose again. Jesus seated at the right hand. Repent. Accept Jesus as your Savior. And what's he do? To preach to those who dwell on the earth. Preaching. This is for you and I today. This is the church's responsibility today. It's in the second half of the tribulation because the church is gone. The world is being decimated. If you're a believer, you're going to lose your head. But God in his mercy says, you know what? I'm going to send a messenger. I'm going to send an angel. I'm going to send an angel. To do what? To every nation, tribe, tongue, and people. Do you see God's mercy in any of this? God is merciful. God is gracious. But God is just. He will not be mocked. And these judgments are going to take place. Saying with a loud voice, fear God, give reverence to God, have a healthy fear, not an unhealthy fear, a healthy fear, which means reverence. Fear God and give glory to him for the hour of his judgment has come and worship him, not the, not the Antichrist, worship God who did what? Who made heaven and earth, the sea and the springs of water. Mercy, mercy, mercy. So before we get into the judgments, it's important to remember that God takes, again, no delight in the destruction of the wicked. No one will ever be able to honestly say that God isn't fair. He has and will continue to be more than fair to the inhabitants of the world. Well, we're going to start getting into deception here. Look at verses 1 and 2. Now... When I saw the angel opened one of the seals, and I heard one of the four living creatures saying with a loud voice, saying with a voice like thunder, Come and see, and look, and behold, a white horse. He who sat on it, so there was an individual who was sitting on it, had a bow, and a crown was given to him. Notice that a crown was given to him. And he went out conquering and to conquer. From our description from previous weeks, the Lord starts to unroll the scroll by breaking the seals one at a time. And with the break of the first seal, we see the false Messiah, what I believe to be the Antichrist, come onto the scene. How do I know that he's the false Messiah? Well, verse 2 is filled with various clues, but we also need to go back to Daniel, where, he, where Daniel prophesied about the one who would be raised up in Israel to rule over them. So let's look at Daniel chapter 9. Let's, let's turn to Daniel chapter 9. This ruler would not be the long-anticipated Messiah. We know that to be Jesus. But he is the false Messiah 
or what is commonly known or commonly called the one person called the Antichrist. There is the spirit of the Antichrist, but there is going to be a man who comes on the scene who literally is going to be the Antichrist. Daniel chapter 9. Again, if you're not new to your, if you're not uh, familiar with your Bible, we put up slides. Become familiar with your paper Bible, guys. 925. Know therefore and understand. Notice that. Understand that from the going forth of the command to restore and build Jerusalem until Messiah the Prince, there should be seven weeks and 62 weeks. The street shall be built again and the wall, very important, and the wall, even in troublesome times. And after the 62 weeks, Messiah shall be cut off, but not for himself. And the people, the prince who has come, shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. The end of it shall be with a flood until the end of the war desolations are determined. Then he, this is, as you study, this is now the Antichrist. Then he shall confirm a covenant with many for one week. But in the middle of the week, he shall bring an end to sacrifice and offering. And on the wing of abominations shall be one who makes desolate, even until the consummation, which is determined, is poured out on the desolate. Now, there's a lot there. We're not going to do a 45-minute study on that. You need to do your own study. Be a Berean. But we have studied over the years. Daniel's vision of 70 weeks is divided up into two sections. You just saw those two sections. The first section is 69 weeks of sevens. A week is seven, which is multiplied out to 483 years. The last section is the time of the one remaining week or seven years to be biblically consistent. The first section of prophecy started with Nehemiah. When Nehemiah, you can read the book. It's in your Bible, Old Testament. Please read your Bible from Genesis to Revelation. When Nehemiah was commanded to go and rebuild the walls of Jerusalem in 445 B.C. Once that commandment went forth, it would have been 173,880 days till the coming of the Messiah, whom arrived, Jesus rode into, on a donkey into Jerusalem on the very day that Daniel prophesied about. You get this information out of the coming prince. I'm forgetting the author's name, but if you, t- if you Google the coming prince, it'll come up. Archaeologist, very, very wise, put it all together. So we know that. And that's why Jesus wept over Jerusalem. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, if you'd only known this day. They should have known the day. They had the Bible. They had the Old Testament. The religious people had it. They were just looking for a Messiah to wipe out Rome. What are Americans looking for now? Please, bring a Messiah to wipe out the Democrats. If we just have a Messiah and wipe out the Democrats, everything will be better. And what are the Democrats praying for? God, bring a Messiah and wipe out the Republicans. If there were no Republicans, everything would be fine. Guys, this is reality. This is hate. We don't hate. We love. For God so loves the world. It's not about Republican and Democrats. It's about souls. Souls. So be careful who you're an ambassador for. We are an ambassador for Christ. Then he shall confirm a covenant with many for one week, but in the middle of the week, which we're going to get to in the book of Revelation. That's why you want to study Daniel. In the middle of the week, he shall bring an end to sacrifice and offering. 
Well, how could there be sacrifice and offering taking place if there's not a temple? There is going to be a temple. And where is it going to be? On the Temple Mount. I've been there 10 times. It is going to be on the Temple Mount. There's plenty of room. The Bible says it's going to happen. It's going to happen. No matter what political parties say, it is going to happen. So during that seven-year tribulation, or just prior to it, after the rapture, I believe the temple is going to be rebuilt. It's not going to take decades. They've got everything right now, including the red heifer, heifer. They know they are practicing animal sacrifice in the wilderness. It is going to happen like that when the Antichrist comes on the scene. And on the wing of abomination shall be one who makes desolate. So again, it's going to take place. The second section, or that last week, will start with the rapture of the church. We believe. Don't come up and argue with me. I'm not going to argue with you. And the accepting of the false Messiah. This will start with what is known as the Great Tribulation. So Daniel was inspired by the Holy Spirit to foretell of this man who was going to come onto the scene who would persuade the people of Israel. Very important. He's not a Muslim. He's not an American. Jesus is not coming back to Missouri. He's coming back to Jerusalem. The the Antichrist is going to be a Jew. Persuade the people of Israel that he is the Christ. He is their long-awaited for Messiah. Look at Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24. This is Jesus when he's speaking about the last days. Guys, we're in the last days. This is unbelievable. Did you hear this week what our interest is on $33 trillion? Did you hear what our interest payment is? Within one year, within one year, 365 days, our interest payment is $1 trillion. Can you even figure out a billion, let alone a thousand billions? That's just the interest. This is snowballed. There's no getting out of this unless they just wipe it clean and say, okay, let's just start from scratch. Let's have total equity. None of you own anything. And we're all on the same playing field. Yay! Well, that'll never happen. (laughs) Matthew 24. Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet... People mock your Bible because Daniel was so accurate. And they're like, it had to be written after Daniel's time because it was too accurate. No, that's called God outside our time realm. And God is very accurate. So Jesus is telling you, hey, Daniel was alive and what he said was true. Otherwise, Jesus is a liar. So, therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet standing in the holy place. This is very descriptive. This is Jesus speaking. Whoever reads, let him understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. This plays into, guys, the peace. Is there going to be a world peace with the Antichrist? I don't think so. But he's going to be ruling and reigning from Jerusalem. So there is going to be peace in Israel like never before in the last 70 years. There is going to be peace because he is ruling and reigning in Israel. But we've already read the seals. All hell is going to break out in the rest of the world. Let him who is in the housetop, this is speaking to people in Jerusalem. This is not speaking to people in New York City. This is not speaking to people in Paris. Jesus is talking to people who are going to be in Israel. Study your eschatology. 
Let him who is on the housetop not go down to take anything out of his house. And let him who is in the field not go back to get his clothes. But woe to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing babies in those days. And pray that your flight may not be in the winter or on the Sabbath. Now, does anybody in America really care about a Sabbath? Does anybody in Europe really care about a Sabbath? So as you read your Bible, you'll get clues here and there to go, oh, this is obviously the Jews. Because I've been to Israel, again, ten times. On the Sabbath, almost everything shuts down. No buses, no trains, almost everything shuts down. It's crazy. For then there will be a great tribulation such as not been since the beginning of the world until this time, nor ever shall be. And unless those days were shortened. So there's a specific amount of time that is going to take place. Seven years, specifically. Jesus coming back to this earth exactly right on time. And unless those days were shortened, no flesh, no human beings would be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days will be shortened. Looking back in Revelation chapter 6. Now conquerors would often ride into their home cities on white horses. And so we see that this man is riding on a white horse. But notice that this conqueror had a bow, yet no arrows. What good is a bow without any arrows? It's good for nothing. This would tell us, though, that he won the battle without using military force. What battle? Bringing peace to the Middle East. I mean, unless you've been in a hole in the ground the last uh, five weeks, the whole world, again, is focused on who? On Ukraine? On Russia? No, that's old news, and they've only killed a few hundred thousand. We're going to focus on Jerusalem and condemn the Jews because that's the promise of God. We don't want the word of God fulfilled, so we're going to allow Satan to use us to try to wipe Israel out one way or another. And when we as a nation turn against Israel, you better get ready for a lot. There's going to come on scene a man who will have such, be a, such a smooth talker that he'll be able to convince the world that he can bring peace to the Middle East for the three, first three and a half years. Daniel 7.25 says this, He shall speak pompous words against the Most High. This is the Antichrist. Shall persecute the saints of the Most High and shall intend to change times and laws. Then the saints shall be given into his hand for a time and times and half a time, which would be three and a half years. Again, you have to do your own further study. Now, in the second half of the tribulation, the first half of the tribulation, as we've just read, we're going to find out this morning that a fourth of the world is annihilated in the first half of the tribulation, most likely within the first two years, because the seals are just the first, just the start. We don't have any number on the second half of the Great Tribulation. So when you talk to people, and I've even had Calvary pastors say this, well, the Great Tribulation is only the second half. I'm like, well, I don't understand how that could be unless you just negate the seals and put them all in the second half, which you can't do. We, we take the Bible literally. So this is happening in the first half of the Great Tribulation, a quarter in just the seals here. When we get to the next study, a third. So in the first three and a half years, half the world's population is annihilated, done, gone. Well, God's not merciful. I'm not going to go over the list again. God is very merciful. We have free will. Thank God. We have free will. 
Zechariah says this. Maybe Zechariah gives us some insight into this period, time period during the second half of the tribulation. Zechariah 13, 8. And it shall come to pass in all the land, says the Lord, that two-thirds in it shall be cut off and die. One-third shall be left in it. You know, again, I wouldn't argue, but maybe that's an, an inference to second half of the tribulation, two-thirds of Israel is going to be wiped out and only a third is going to survive. Conquerors also wore crowns, but this word here in the Greek is Stephanos, which is a garland or wreath and is known as a victor's crown in the Olympics. It's temporary. It withers, it fades. The real Messiah, whom we know to be Jesus, is coming back with the... But the Antichrist is going to try his best to imitate the real Messiah through deception. Very important, deception. The Antichrist will be empowered by Satan himself and have tremendous physical abilities. Jesus, on the other hand, is coming back to this earth on a white horse as well. But his crown is a diadem or a diadem, a kingly crown. So when you compare Revelation 9, 11 through 16 to this, this verse, it's easy to see that this rider is not Jesus. Jesus made reference to the false Messiah in John 5, 43, when he said, I have come in my Father's name, and you do not receive me. If another comes in his own name, him you will receive. The Antichrist is going to be received by the Jewish people. Let's look at 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Paul had this to say about the church and the coming false Messiah or the Antichrist. Now, brethren, 2 Thessalonians 2, 1 through 12. Now, brethren, so this is the believing men and women, the church. In Thessalonica, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him, we ask you not to soon be shaken in mind or troubled either by spirit or by word or by letter as if from us, as the day of Christ had come. So let no one deceive you by any means. Even in the first century church, people were already proclaiming that Jesus had returned to the earth And he went back to heaven with the church, and we're stuck here, and woe is us. This is what Paul's addressing here. Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first. In Luke 18.8, Jesus makes a statement. And he says, when I return to the earth, am I going to find faith on the earth? Very important. Am I going to find faith on the earth? Do we have faith on the earth right now? Absolutely. You get in your cars and you go to this four-way stop, and we had an accident about two weeks ago where somebody blew through it. You have faith that everybody's going to mind their manners and stop. You want to make sure you check twice at every four-way stop in Queen Creek. We have a lot of faith. That's not the faith that Jesus is talking about. Jesus is talking about biblically sound doctrinal faith. There's going to be a falling away from biblically sound doctrinal faith. Are we seeing that happening in our current culture? Now again, this is not, this is not bashing the Roman Catholic Church. This is talking about what's going to happen in the last days. 
Pope Francis said a transgender person, those who have undergone hormone therapy and sex reassignment surgery, can receive baptism, in quotes, under the same conditions of the other faithful. It is allowed, now in quotes, please listen to this. Google Christian denominations. Do you know what the largest Christian denomination is in the world? You're going to find out the Roman Catholic Church is the largest Christian denomination in the world. Now again, you're going, no, they're not. No, they're not. I get it. I understand it. I was raised Roman Catholic. But please step back and think of the world and what's taking place in the world right now. Listen to what the largest Christian denomination says this past week. In writing, becoming church doctrine. If there is no situations in which there is a risk of generating a public scandal or confusion among the faithful. Hello? You're going to baptize transgender people because, but it, just as long as there's no scandal or no confusion to the faithful. Oh, got it. Right. That'll happen. Later on in the article, it says this from the Reverend James Martin, and there is only one Reverend name in the Psalms, God. In quotes, in many dioceses and parishes, transgender Catholics have been severely restricted from participating in the life of the church. Listen to this. Not because of any canon law, but stemming from the decisions of bishops, priests, and pastoral associates. Now, where would those decisions be based on? Well, they should be based on the word of God. Now, all are welcomed. All are welcome to this church. God loves the whole world. That's a fact. God is not promoting hate. I'm not promoting hate. You're not promoting hate. But we have to adhere to solid doctrinal belief. Marriage between what? One genetic male, one genetic female. How did God create humans? Male and female. There is no such thing as trans. It's made up to do what? To destroy the church, which is taking place. But stemming from the decisions bishops Decisions of bishops, priests, and pastoral associates, in quotes. So the Vatican statement is a clear recognition not only of their personhood, but of their place in their own church. Where does it stop? You guys okay with committing adultery? You guys okay with just letting any adulterer in here and lifting them up into positions? Do you want an adulterer greeting somebody at the door? and you know they're an adulterer, and they've been known as an adulterer? How many of you are going to come, come into the church if we put an adulterer, a known adulterer, at the front door? I think it's going to drop off drastically in one week. You're not going to be here. But what is the church, the leaders of the church, saying to the rest of the church? Accept them. Why? Well, because we're losing a lot of people, which means we're going to lose money. So let's just give in and condone, and let's love them to hell. No, 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 no. On whether a person in a same-sex relationship could be godparents at a baptism, so now a homosexual relationship or a lesbian relationship, 
the statement said the person had to lead, quote, lead a life that conforms to the faith. Well, isn't there a problem right there with a homosexual or a lesbian relationship? Well, not according to church teaching. It's not in the canon of law. According to the Bible, but you know what? When the Bible, Roman Catholic, so I'm not bashing, I was, I was in it. I had talk with priests. When it comes down to the Bible and church teaching, church teaching supersedes the Bible. Just put your Bible away. The Pope knows what he's talking about. Mr. D. Bernardo said the document proves that the Catholic Church can and does change its mind about certain practices and policies and suggested some diocesans need anti-trans policies might now have to be rescinded. Now looking at Thessalonians again. Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first. I think most of the time in Christianity, we think of that as Christians falling away from the faith, leaving the faith, so to speak. Could this not be what I just read to you? Moving away from solid biblical doctrine? And is it now happening? I mean, at one time, not too many years ago, the Catholic Church, Roman Catholic Church, was one in four people on the face of the earth were Roman Catholic. I'm not talking 200 years ago. Within the last 40 years, it was one in four on the face of the earth were Roman Catholic. So guys, this is not a small population of the world. And now they're going to endorse trans and homosexuality and end lesbianism? And the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or his worship, so that he sits as God in the temple of God. Here's the temple again that Daniel talked about. It's going to happen. Showing himself that he is God. Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? And now you know what is restraining that he may be revealed in his own time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he, and we believe this to be the church, who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. What a battle. Jesus shows up, party's over. The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all power, signs, and lying wonders, and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish, perish, eternal separation from God, because they did not receive the love of the truth, that they might be saved. You see, what I just shared right now is not loving, is it? And there might be one or two people in this room right now that are going, man, this guy's crazy. He's a hate monger. He's anti-trans. He's anti-phobic. He's anti-this. He's anti-that. No, I'm anti-judgment. I don't want you to go to hell. Believing a lie that is unscientific and especially unbiblical. And for this reason, God will send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie, that they may be condemned with who did not believe the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. So we look back in Revelation. These are very serious things, guys. Read your Bibles. So I see this horseman as the one who represents the false Messiah, and we will expand on this later in Revelation. But here I think we see that he is able to bring a temporal, localized peace, as you weave other scriptures together, upon the nation of Israel, yet will go out doing what? What do you see there in uh, chapter 6, verse 1, or verse 2, at the end of it? And he went out conquering 
and to conquer. That doesn't sound very peaceful at all. So there's going to be peace in Israel, but then he's going to go out throughout the world to conquering and to conquer. Verses 3 and 4. Then he opened the second seal. I heard the second living creature saying, come and see. Another horse, fiery red, went out, and it was granted to the one who sat on it to take peace from the earth. And that people should kill one another, and there was given to him a great sword. Once the false messiah takes control... There's going to come the worst wars that mankind has ever seen. And notice the phrase, it was granted. It was granted to take peace from the earth and that he's carrying a great sword. You see, God's hand of protection has been removed. The church as we know it today has been raptured. Removed from this earth, the overriding influence of the Holy Spirit. That's what the church is all about. It's that overriding influence of the Holy Spirit through the believer has been removed. And now the enemy of our souls is allowed to bring tremendous havoc upon mankind. Think about this. Even even in our society today, even when I was working at Motorola, um, there was a guy who used to constantly swear and use the F word and this, that, and the other thing. And, and he knew I was a believer and he knew I loved Jesus and he saw me read my Bible and I prayed for him. I told him I was praying for him. And he, you know, but there was times where he was just convicted what he would be saying to my face and, or not to my face or even just around me. He was convicted. It wasn't me. That was the Holy Spirit. That was the church. Think about this. If you'd like to get an idea of what that might look like, just think about what would happen to this country if every police officer, which I Googled it last night, estimated to be around 700,000 police officers were removed from the U.S. in one day. How do you think this place would handle it? There's only 700,000 police officers, guys. How many people in America? I think we're approaching 350 million. We could easily overwhelm the police force. What's the restraining force? The Holy Spirit and the church. As Christians, no, we don't do that. We just don't do that. And even as a society, a moral society that has lost a lot of morals, but there's still pretty much a moral society in this regards, most people are not going to go out and start just shooting police officers. It's not going to happen. Once the church is gone, there's going to be a lot of things happening. So that just gives you kind of an idea of what could possibly happen. Just 700,000. What happens if a billion Christians leave this earth? Jesus told his disciples that the gates of hell would not prevail over the church, but with the church no longer on the earth, the enemy is going to have the freedom to do what he thinks is his own will. Red is a symbolic of war and blood. Verses 5 and 6. When he opened the third seal, I heard the third living creature come say, Come and see. So I looked, and behold, a black horse. And he who sat on it had a pair of scales in his hand. And I heard the voice in the midst of the four living creatures saying, A quart of wheat for a denarius, and three quarts of barley for a denarius, but do not harm the oil and the wine." After war comes the next natural result, and that's famine, the color black. Farms are destroyed. The environment will be changed drastically in a matter of months. Forget about global warming. This is global destruction. Now, in case you're new to the Bible, a denarius in that day and age, in the biblical time of Jesus, was a full day's wage. 
And so a denarius was a single day's wage. And so at this time in history, during the tribulation, a quart of wheat, a day's worth of bread for one person, three quarts of barley, which is a lesser quality grain, will be sold for a full day's work. One loaf of bread. Yeah, but I'm making $20 an hour now. One loaf of bread. It's going to cost you dearly because there's going to be so little available. Vast amounts of the world's population are going to starve to death due to the lack of food. But the angel said to spare the oil and the wine. You see, the rich will still be able to enjoy some of the finer things in this life. And this is nothing new. But the separation of classes during the tribulation will not continue for long. Verses 7 and 8. When he opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth living creature saying, Come and see. So I looked, and behold, a pale horse. And the name of him who sat on him was Death, and Hades, Hells, Sheol, followed after him, or followed with him, not after him, followed with him. And power, notice this again, and power was given to them over a fourth of the earth to kill with sword, with hunger, and death, with death, and by the beast, notice this, the beast of the earth. A pale green horse and the rider appears with his name being death and Hades. Death is what takes the body. Hades receives the soul. Everyone is going to die. The Bible makes that perfectly clear. But people do not need to go to hell. They can choose to follow the one who died for their sins and that's Jesus. Only Jesus. Unfortunately, a majority of humanity has and will continue to not accept Jesus as a Savior, even during the Great Tribulation. Even after everything that's going to take place, they raise their fists to God and they curse God. (laughs) The road of salvation is very narrow. Jesus is the only way. You see, he has the power over all things and know what is going to take place as the music team comes up. So please notice once again that this writer had power given to him. Luke 12, 4 and 5 says... And I say to you, my friends, Jesus speaking, do not be afraid of those who kill the body. This is an exhortation for you and me today in 2023 as Bible-believing Christians, as our brothers and sisters in India and many other foreign countries are being martyred, literally being martyred for their faith. Well, that'll never come to America. And after that, have no more that they can do. But I will show you whom you should fear, whom you should reverence, who you should pay honor to. Fear him who, after he has killed, has power to cast into hell. Yes, I say to you, fear God the Father. At the great white throne judgment, Jesus tells us this in Matthew 25, 41 and 42. Then he will say to those on his left hand, depart from me, you cursed. These are all the people who have ever lived who do not have Jesus as their Savior. The Old Testament did not acknowledge God as supreme. All those unbelievers are going to stand before Jesus and what's going to be their final destination into the everlasting fire prepared for who? The devil and his angels. God sends no one to hell. We choose to go there ourselves. If you're here this morning as an unbeliever, if you're listening to this CD, if you're watching it online, God is giving you once again an opportunity to receive Jesus as your Savior. You want to deny that? That's free will. You send yourself to hell. God sends nobody to hell. It's your choice. This writer has the authority, notice, to take the lives of one-fourth of the earth's population. 
We currently exceed 8 billion people. One-fourth would be roughly 2 billion people. And again, I don't know exactly how far in the tribulation period this is going to be. It's not at the halfway mark. It's not in the second half. It's in the first half. Could this be the first year, the first year and a half, the first two years? Most likely within the first two years. This is all going to take place, these four seals. So in the first half, or in the first three and a half years, two billion, give or take, a few hundred thousand, are going to perish. So what do we do with this information for, for this morning? We're going to heaven. If you know Jesus as your Savior, you're going to heaven. Don't worry. Be involved. Register to vote. Vote. Do everything that you can do. Petitions. I do all that. I sign petitions. Do all that. But don't worry about it. It's going to happen whether you like it or not. Let's take somebody with us instead of worrying about what's going to happen. We know it's going to happen. Let's plant, water, fertilize. Let's pray with people. Let's ask people to pray with them. And let's take somebody to heaven with us this week. Father, we thank you and praise you for being so good to us as Bible-believing Christians. We have literally the Holy Spirit dwelling within us. We're not here trying to punch the clock and be religious. Maybe someone is, but as a whole, that's not why we're here. We're here because we know the truth, and your word is truth. And these things are going to take place, and Ezekiel 38 is lining up right in front of our eyes. So, Father, help us to be awake in biblical times and to plant, to water, to fertilize, to to start asking people, hey, how can I pray for you? What can I pray for you for? And maybe we'll have the opportunity to pray with someone to receive Jesus this week. This country is in desperate needs. One trillion dollars in interest alone? People are getting desperate. They're losing their cars. They're declaring bankruptcy, credit card debt. Desperation is starting to take place. Father, help us to be available. To have that influence of the peace that surpasses understanding because we know Jesus as our Savior. Use us this week, Father. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Thank you for listening to this teaching from God's Word. If you have any questions, would like to request prayer, or want more information about our church and how you can experience the love and hope of Jesus Christ in your life, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org.